Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Plans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards and I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining me. We are going to just touch on a follow-on comments from a previous episode, not listener feedback, and then we're going to get into more listener feedback. I've got an apology to make. It has been exactly two weeks since I dropped the last podcast on online, and I'm, I've been really trying to stick to seven to ten days between every podcast, ten the most, and I have not held to that. I was about to last week jump on, record a podcast, got about three minutes in, into it, and then my microphone completely quit working. So I had to order a new microphone and we've got it up and going now and we're going to see how well this works today. The comments that I wanted to go back on and touch on the the previous episode was the Gallic clans of Galloway. That was the, the episode that I went into and talked about some of those clans that get overlooked as we talk about, usually when we say Gallic, everybody's mind, if you know anything about Scotland, usually just goes straight to the Highlands and Isles. But I did a whole episode on that part of Scotland that was also a Gallic-speaking region clear up until about the 1600s. So, and, and really it was a cultural extension of this, this mixed Scandinavian and Gallic cultural band that comes down the west coast of Scotland and all the isles there. And if you, if you look at a map, it kind of forms a curve. You're coming from the, the very north of Scotland and it, it curves out toward the west. And then as you roll right back around and curves down, there, if you draw a line right through that or just run your hand along that curve, your hand will end up right there in Galloway. And it was, it was a, the same culture, the same background and everything. In fact, Fergus of Galloway, a famous lord of Galloway from the 1100s, was probably very close kin to Summerlid or Sorla in Gaelic. And so this, yes, this is the same, culturally, it's the same group of people, a, Scandinav- a mixed Scandinavian Gaelic background, Gaelic-speaking people. Anyway, in that episode, I mentioned several kindreds within the southwest of Scotland that were Gaelic in origin, and to, those included the McDowells, the McGuffocks. Well, no, not the McGuffocks. That is one I wanted to mention today. The McDowells, the McCulloughs, and the McLennans, the Fergusons, the Kennedys. I did not mention the McAdams, the McGuffocks, the McKees of Larg, and the Hannies, which used to be O'Hanny. An interesting example of the rare time where the Scots used that. And then the Agnews as well. So several, several clans in the southwest of Scotland who, who were come from a Gallic background, bore a Gallic surname that I did, did not mention them in that episode. And I just wanted to give them kind of a, at least a, a, a mention, even though if I'm not, I don't plan on going into any kind of a background or dis- discussing them at all. So if you're from one of those, sorry, I missed it completely on the episode where we focused on that area and and maybe sometime in the future we'll dive into a little more detail on you. Today, I would like to focus more on the continuing listening feedback. And at, and at this time, some of these comments are quite old. So for that, I apologize. But they, I do still want to handle it. And I do still want to get into the, um, I do still want to get into the comments that you brought up. 
I want to get into get into some of those some of those topics that you wanted to address, some of those questions that you asked, some of the things that were important to you. And so that's what this episode is be a continuation of last episode where the whole topic is going to be generated by the listener. Some of the some of the comments I'm going to mention, they're just like, hey, keep doing a good job, keep up the good work. But a lot of them, and I appreciate those by the way, and then a lot of them are going to be things where you brought up something specific and I'm going to touch on that. Okay, so let's let's jump into the the listener feedback that I have here that you all have given me. We're going to start off by with John Crawford's comment. Love all the episodes so far. Not one, but two exclamation points. Thank you, Josh. Or sorry, John. Joshua's coming. We'll get to you, Josh. John, thank you for that. John Crawford. The next comment, Marius Torau. Torau, Torau, T-O-R-R-A-U. I'll get to why I'm unfamiliar with that name here in a second. It says, love all the podcasts. Listen to them allows me binding my journey's memories with the history of particular clans. Helps me trying to bind my Lithuanian origin with Scotland through the Viking line. Okay, it's only a fantasy, but still, dot, 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 big respect to the author. Thank you, Marius. Lithuanian, loving the Scottish stuff. Hey, that's cool, man. You do not, you do not have to have Scottish ancestry to get into this stuff and, and to dig it. I, I'm upset myself. I'm interested in certain things I have no personal connection to. In, a, in an historical way, I'm really interested in the Scythians, yet I have no background, no ancestors that I know of from Russia or the Ukraine. I just think they're cool because they're horse people and I come from a horse culture. And so there you have it. You don't need to be descended from people to be interested in their history. All right, moving on. Joshua Head says, hi. Hi, Josh. Joshua, I recall you posting a question about underrepresented clans in Scotland. I remember you briefly touching on Clan Grant in a few episodes. I am related to Clan Grant through my sixth great-grandfather, William Grant, who settled in the foothills of western North Carolina. He eventually fought as a patriot in the Revolution. From what research I've done, he is descended from the 8th Lord of Frookey. I would like to hear an episode on this branch of the clan. Yes, absolutely. I did touch on the Grants during the Shiel Alpen clan cluster episode. The clan clusters are as a mini-series of episodes that I do every once in a while about a group of clans, whether they are confederate with each other, like the Clan Hatton, or whether they are actually share a, a no-kidding blood kinship. So in that, in that case, the Clan Grants were one of several clans who claimed descent from Alpin, the father of Kenneth McAlpin. So we did, we did touch on them a little bit in that, in that episode. Now, when you talk about that branch of the clan, the Grants of Frookie, if I understand correctly, were the main branch. That was the chiefly line. The branch of them were the Grants of Glen Morriston, who were on the west bank, the northwest bank. I guess this loch does not run perfectly north and south, of Loch Ness. So that was the Grants of Glen Morriston. It's interesting to see the difference in position that these two, brand, these two branches of the same clan took when it in respect to the Jacobite Risings. So there you have it. Um, the Grants, there's different, I, I, meant, I made a response to Joshua and then about, yeah, hey, yeah, I would love to do that, which I would. I was not just placating him. I really would like to dive into just Clan Grant. I do feel they're underrepresented in the history. Maybe that's because they're a Northeastern Highland clan and 
the Western Highlands and the Hebrides have got most of the attention, which is cool because they've got a really lot of interesting history. So I'm not saying they don't deserve attention, but I always like to, to shine the spotlight on people or groups or topics that are a little bit underrepresented, which I do, I do think that grants are. So as I responded back to Joshua, he responded back to me, said, awesome. I've become fascinated by them. There's one rumor I saw they are Norse in origin. I've also had an interest in clans Brody and Rose. On the Norse origin of the Grants, Joshua, yes, they've done some DNA testing, and I have not studied the DNA testing of the Grants and how that plays into all this, but it has been done, and I do think it is a relevant topic to what they found out. So anybody that's interested in there, you, you won't hear in this episode me diving into this. However... If you want to do some just a just an easy Google search on grant, clan grant DNA tests or something like that will probably get you some information that might be interesting to you. So, on the grants, let's shift over to the he mentions the clans Brody and Rose. Very interesting clans. I actually have Brodies in my family tree as well. They're clear back into the early 1800s, 1700s in the, in a line of my ancestry that are the Scots-Irish frontiersmen. Now, just for those of you who don't know, Scots-Irish does not refer to a blend of Scottish and Irish. It refers to when the Scots, so when King James, the sixth of Scotland, first of England, continued a policy of, of plantations in Ireland that had been done previous to him, he did it, he focused on Northern Ireland, and he, so he's shoving native Catholic Gaelic-speaking clans off of their land in Northern Ireland and opening it up from, for settlement f- by loyal Protestants. And the, I, if I understand this correctly, there, there were English and Welsh people who settled there, but the Scots were overrepresented in this, in this plantation effort. And, and as they come down from Scotland, they settled there. Actually, a lot in Antrim, you had some Highlanders settled there. And, and there's exceptions to this. There's my ancestors, the McFarlands, were part of this. They were Gaelic-speaking Highlanders who ended up not, they ended up in Tyrone, actually. But it seems like a lot of the settlement was coming out of the lowlands, especially the border, the western border country. Anyway, the Scots did not tend to intermarry with the native Gaelic, Catholic, Irish. Keep in mind, if, if this is the case, where most of the settlers from Scotland are not Gaelic-speaking Highlanders, there's one more barrier. And, and to add on top of that, they're a different religion. They're not doing a lot of... I'm not, I'm not making any absolute statements. I'm not saying they never intermarried with the local Catholic Irish. Because, you know what? Let's face it, man. If you're... That's a pretty girl... Sometimes she bats her eyelids just just right, talks just right to you. Sometimes it can make very little, uh, very little, it matters very little what, what religion or language she speaks even. So anyway, I'm not saying it never happened, but I'm saying by and large, these Scottish immigrants to Northern Ireland did not marry with the native Catholic Irish. And so you have this community of Scots that are settled in Northern Ireland few generations later, through different factors, they end up pushing over to across the Atlantic Ocean to North America in large numbers. A lot of the local, not the local, a lot of the low-lying, fertile areas of the eastern seaboard of North America are already settled. And so what do you do? They'd say, well, 
there's a lot of a lot of cheap land back in the frontier across those mountains, the Appalachian Mountains right there. But you're going to go have to fight Indians for them. Well, these people were no strangers to fighting, and they said, okay, and pushed back into there. So I have a, a whole branch of my family that comes largely from that settlement, that, that type of migration, and I have the Brodies are back in there. That's kind of a long explanation on a part of that, maybe, but maybe that's interesting to you, the, the Scots-Irish. People started calling them Irish because they're coming from Ireland, and they're like, no, 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 we're Scots. So my understanding is that Scots-Irish is a term used mostly in the U.S., whereas over in Northern Ireland, they're mostly called Ulster Scots or Northern Irish or Ulstermen or however else you want to say it, but Scots-Irish is not used very much in Northern Ireland. Okay, Brodies. Brodies are interesting, not just because they're in my family tree, but also because the Brodies in their territory along the Findhorn River up there east of Inverness, nobody knows when they weren't there. They've been there for as long as any records or any folk memory goes back, which is really interesting. So the speculation there is that they are descended from Picts and just have always lived there and their, their chiefs gained title and acceptance in this new cultural context after people stopped speaking whatever the Picts spoke and, and they kept their identity as a kindred from very early times. And then just to the west of them, you have the Roses. So it's interesting, he mentions these other two clans very closely associated in geography to each other. So the Roses, they, in contrast to the Brodies, who could not be more indigenous to that area, were Normans. Now, I don't know, the Normans came in in the 1100s. I mean, how far back do you got to go in a place before you are a local? Anyway, the Roses come from a more Norman background. So that's where you, you have the Roses. Not to be confused with the Rosses, just a little bit farther to the north. All right. Thank you, Joshua. Appreciate your comments. Kyle Harris says, Hello, Mr. Edwards. Just started listening to your podcast today, and I think I'm 12 episodes in, but I'm really enjoying it. Now, I'll pause on the quote here real quick. This was a long time ago, so Kyle, you may be done by now. I don't know. Okay, to continue. I have Scottish and English blood, all in my ancestry, so the clan history is really important to me. I enjoy all kinds of history, but mostly Scottish clan history, Appalachian history, and Civil War history because my family ancestry is so steeped in all of it. My dad's family have been in East Tennessee for around 200 years, and my mom's side of the family mostly in the hills of North Carolina. I feel like I should be reading this comment in an Appalachian accent, but I'm not going to. I live in Nebraska now with my wife, where she is from, but I'm an East Tennessee Scot through and through. I'm also in the middle of creating a huge family genealogical record for myself and my family, so getting records across the pond is kind of difficult. Sorry for the sermon, but just thought I would introduce myself and tell you I'm looking forward to more episodes and hopefully future dialogues. God bless. Kyle, thank you, and may God bless you in your effort to piece together that family tree. That's, that's, a, that's a valiant effort, and it's definitely, out of all the things that we can engage ourselves in and the time that we take to do things, I think very few of them, very few of those things can be more valuable than researching our family history and learning who we are and where we come from. All right. In another comment, a subsequent comment from Kyle Harris, he says, I am interested in the history of each clan, Scottish history and clans I'm associated with. But where I'm most interested and driven is my personal attachment to the clan. So I guess my question is, how do I really find out and dig deeper into my genealogy in relation to the clans? I have an Ancestry.com subscription and a, Goog 
and Google a lot, but I'm hitting a wall here. To be more specific, I am finding connections with Macintoshes, McCoy, Ramsey, potential McGregor, my mom's maiden name is Gregory, Fraser, and a few more. People have trees up online of their own, and that's all well and good, but I need a little more to be sure. For example, I might be a direct descendant of the 16th and 18th chief of Clan Macintosh, but I have hit a slight roadblock and just need some help. Thanks again. Well, Kyle, here's a here's I'll give you a little reference that you can you can use. So being interested in the getting this this clan, this family tree developed a little more. He said he had an ancestry.com account. I'd also encourage you to go check out familysearch.org. So for those of you who read the introduction, I am a Latter-day Saint, which means I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And our church has a website called familysearch.org, which is a pretty, pretty big genealogical database that I do not believe you have to be a member of our faith to use. In fact, I was at a military school out at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and one of the guys going through the class with me was named Jeremy McDaniel, which is kind of interesting, the Scottish last name. Now, that actually was, we, we I mean, what does he have Scottish ancestry or not? I don't know. But I did become friends with him, and we got to talking one time after we finished our, our class for the day. And he came up to, we, they were keeping us, because it's a gentleman's course and we're officers, and they had us in these kind of apartment-like rooms. He came to my room, and we got on the Wi-Fi there. He had his laptop with him, and we got it out, and he, I believe, and he doesn't, I don't, prior to this, he had no connection to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think he was able to get on, start an account, and actually was starting to see something that right there in my room, he gets his dad on the phone, and he starts asking him about some of the things that he's seen on there. It was really exciting for him. And, yeah, so that was pretty cool. I, I think the conversation started by him being a black gentleman, me asking him about his background and how, how that works with the family history sort of way. And, and uh, anyway, we just got into a really interesting conversation, and, and I said, well, let's, let's try and see if this works. So... My point there, Kyle, is you're not a Latter-day Saint. Maybe, maybe you are. I don't know, but um, I'm guessing that, that you haven't tried that yet. Would probably indicate that you are not. And I'm just telling you, I don't. I believe it's a resource that's open for you. you might want to try it. They they do have a part on there, and I haven't used Ancestry.com as much, although I do have an account with them as well. On FamilySearch.org, they do have a spot where they want to see what sources you're bringing things from. So. I, I know you mentioned they're kind of like, ah, a lot of people have family trees. How reliable are they on there? Well, you can use the sources that people's, people have posted on there and go check it out for yourself. So kind of kind of good from a scholarly aspect anyway. Um, what were some else and things? You're, the, some of the clans you're finding connection to. The So you said maybe potential McGregor. My mom's maiden name is Gregory. Yes. So funny story. Different military course. Same place, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I met a very good friend of, who, who, who later became a very good friend of mine because I didn't know because he was in the same battalion as me, but he, his, his, his company was, and I, I'm not going to go down on the whole how the military is structured, but he didn't, he didn't show up to train at the same location I did, but he was in the same battalion. I didn't know him. So I met him at this course and he in his ancestry has Gregory's and and so we got to talking about this 
so same as you, Kyle, the Gre Gregory was a common name adopted by the McGregor when they were proscribed by the government in the early 1600s. A lot of them did adopt the last name of Gregory. So very strong potential that you are a McGregor. And I think I'm going to skip down to Kyle's last comment that he later made. He said, thanks for responding because I did respond to him personally. He says, I saw Family Search while I was digging, but I had to sign up and figure I would have had a subscription to pay Ancestry, which, which is fine, all for the free market and providing a service, just already paying for one that ain't too cheap. Haha. <laughs> Can we pause in the quote here in the comment? You do familysearch.org is not for profit. It's completely free for anybody who wants to use it. He said, but that sounds great. Going back into his comment, I just finished episode 21, so I should be up to date by the time you put the next one out. Too many dad blame podcasts to listen to and research to skim through. Anyway, thanks again and look forward to more conversations. Kyle, enjoy your interaction. Hopefully some of the things we gave you there was helpful. Robert Williams says, hey, love the podcast. I like your inclusion of the Border Reavers. That's my area I grew up in. He says in parentheses, top of the Pennines in Carlisle. And often gets overlooked over the, over the sexy Highlander stories. But they're wild people as well. Very good horsemen. Oh, he's talking about the borders. The borders are wild people as well. They are very good horsemen. And coincidentally, I grew up riding fell ponies in the area, but not stealing sheep. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification there. I'm wondering if you have ever come across information about the surname Duncan. That's my maternal line, but we know very little. It is obviously a Northumberland-based name, and speculation is it's, it's a derivation of Duncan. Would love to know any info. Thanks. I like your referencing sources and how much weight each holds in the scholarly realm. Okay, so Robert, just let me say before I go in, because he's got some more here, folks. I just want to say that it's cool to hear back from people who still live in these areas we're talking about. I really find that interesting. And I, I bump into people from the British Isles in my travels and adventures. I, I always, oh, I, the first thing I want to tell them, hey, I've got, like I met some UK soldiers down at a different place and it, they were over there doing some training and completely unrelated to why I was there but I, there, were t there was two female soldiers and they were, they were from England and I said well my mom's side of the family they're Corbridges and they're from England and they said oh where, where from? I said Lancashire I said oh and we started talking about towns and because these folks it's not like way way back in my family tree they came over the mid 1800s and landed pretty close to where I live now so I'm familiar with some of the places they came from. I started naming towns, and they were saying, oh, yeah, I'm not very far from there. Anyway, I just get really excited, Robert, when I get to interact with people who are from there or actually, actually have lived over there. Robert goes on to say, I listened to the last episode, and thank you very much for including my comment, and yes, this episode is right where my family was on the east side. My paternal line, the Williams from the Newcastle Tyne area, married with the Trotters, originally a small Scottish border clan in the East March, to produce my great-grandfather. Anyway, he gives a lot of information on his exact, where everybody's coming from, and, and probably very specific to him, so I'm not going to go into deep culture or deep um, comments there. He says, I'm just going to kind of pick this up. On another note, I grew up at the head of the Tees Valley on a farm. We would bring the sheep in and count them. And the farmers there and Cumbrian, the farmers there are Cumbrian to this day, still use yan, tan, hither, tithid, and forget the rest to count sheep. Not only is this a holdover from Cumbric, it is a base 20 counting system 
Google that if your math isn't your subject. It's pretty cool. The Babylonians, for example, had a base 60 counting system. So the P-Celtic culture still holds in the area. So that is really, really, really interesting, Robert. Thank you for sharing that. John Sinclair, who I've communicated with before, he was trying to get a, a hold on this a little bit, and and I, I kind of screwed up my response to him because I ended up responding to somebody else. And Anyway, John Sinclair said, looking for a family history center near Fountain, Fountain Valley, California. And so, John, Google family history centers. And it takes you to familysearch.org, enter, quote, Fountain Valley, California, unquote. There are several in your area. Just want you to know that. Uh, Harrison Walker says, Hello, big fan of the podcast, and I appreciate the work you're doing. If you have time, I wonder if you could help verify something of my own last name. I have read a few sources saying Walker used to be the name McNucator. Is this correct? I think it is somewhat related to McGregor, but cannot be sure. Many sites seem to be of dubious quality. Any information you could provide would be greatly appreciated. Now, Harrison, I didn't look this up, so I apologize. However, I might be able to be of some help because there's, at this point, there's, there are hundreds of people who listen to this, not to the thousands yet, I don't think. Pretty, it's a pretty niche podcast. But um, if I can maybe be of just assistance on mentioning in this platform and saying if there are any other people who know about the Walkers and the McNucators, if you can pitch in and help Harrison, that would be very, I think he would appreciate it. That'd be great. All right, the next comment that I want to respond to is from John Robertson, who was very careful to point out that, quote, it's Clan Robertson of Struan, not Duncan. So, or unquote. So he, he very, very strong on that it's not Duncan. D Clan Duncan or Clan Donaghy and Clan Robertson are not the same group. And John, if you're listening to this right here, I just, and I think I asked you for this in a follow-on comment. This is on Facebook. I said, hey, tell me what I need to read. So that's, that's always the thing that I want to go back to because obviously he doesn't like the way that I presented it with Robertsons and Duncans. And hey, show me what you want me to read. But I'm here to tell you that when you tell me to read this, I would encourage you to assure me or make sure that what you're showing me is a, if it's a, a point you feel very strongly about like that it has to be a pretty heavy source like a scholarly article or a primary document you know if there's if there's something that we're talking about and I need to go back and read one of the old annals of Tirnach or annals of Ulster that has the original content in it that's pretty solid also scholarly things that are have been written by people who are currently doing research and teaching at universities. And I'm not saying that you have to be able to do that to have any weight lent to your opinion or your approach to this, but it can't be, it can't be some, well, first of all, and I use Wikipedia, but find out if it's a Wikipedia article you want me to go look at. I would encourage you to go down and look in the references and give me the reference that you want me to look at. So I get, I'm, actively trying to get into more sources and read more and learn more. And the better the source I can use, the more excited I get about it. And I, in fact, I just got a new book in the, 
it, I just recently ordered a book from Amazon and I can't, it's back on that. I have to look back on my, my Amazon orders, but it's, it's a scholarly book. It's more centered on, it's more centered on the time period of the, like right now, the, the article I'm reading in it right now, it goes back to the, um, Time period, it goes clear back to the Romans. Oh, here's the book. I was looking for it. It's called Warlords and Holy Men, Scotland, AD 80 to 1000. The New History of Scotland by Alfred Smith. All right, so this is a scholarly a scholarly book. So that's just what I want you to, if, you, if you've got something you want me to read, I'm excited about it. And I'm more excited if it's something scholarly. And that way I have zero reservations about turning right around, telling you what source I got it from, and then going forward with it. So, um... John Robertson. Tell me what I need to read. All right. There's two more. There's two more things I want to share with you. Two more comments. The first one comes from, well, the title of it kind of ran out. I'm looking on Apple Podcasts now on the, under the review, reviews. Comes from The first one comes from Mountains and Whiskey. Wow. Cool, cool name. Mountains and Whiskey says, I really enjoy the info on how it is presented with the sources, like we just talked about, and how reliable or not they are. Love the info on the borders, which have a wealth of stories to compete with the Highland clans. Mountains and Whiskey, absolutely. Absolutely. I will throw, look, I, I love, I love the Highland clans and the stories and the culture and the Gaelic and all this stuff it gets me fired up. In fact, those of you know this, I mentioned it earlier, what got me really into this was a personal connection to the McFarlands, which I have in my family tree and seeing that they were Highlanders and Gaelic speaking and from the Northwest shores of Loch Lomond. And, uh, and that was just, uh, that got me fired up. I love the Highlanders, but for all that enthusiasm about the Highlanders, I, I really, I, I really agree with mountains and whiskey. I don't believe the border reavers were a whit behind them as far as, um, excitement of history cool stories the they lived you know i've mentioned this before i'd love to break down the different regions of scotland and dive into what what a clan looked like in the different areas but i see a lot of a lot of similarities in the borders with the highlanders just on the societal level and having having a chief and taxman and i don't think they use the same you know like duchess i don't I don't think that they use that word on the border region, like up in the Scotland, the word, a Gallic word referring to the the territory and the shared heritage, and it's it's kind of a nuanced word that doesn't translate really well into English. But I, you know, I don't think they use that word down on the borders. But I just see I see a lot about the borders that I don't that that I also that looks familiar in the Highlands, and I wonder I wonder about some of those things in these. I know. M Scotland as a whole was a kin-based society. I just, uh, I, I just would love to study the, how that varies place to place, though. Anyway, borders, they're cool. Border reavers, exciting. All right, and the last one I want to share with you from Apple Podcasts is from Watson1493. says, I love the podcast. I was reading an article on a quote-unquote legend of the origin of the Morrisons of Lewis by Alexander Moore, called the Clan Morrison Hoax of the Norse Origin on Lewis and Harris, in which Torquil is the originator of the name. 
I would like to hear you discuss that further also, the Lockharts. Now, the McLeods, I got into the McLeods a little while ago and discussed that, I didn't, and, I, and I didn't discuss the Morrisons so much, and so maybe that, we need to get, get into the Morrisons. The Morrisons are an interesting type of clan in that they, they don't, the Morrisons, they're kind of like the name Duncan. You could probably have the name Duncan and not be from the clan Donaghy or the Robertsons of Struan, which I am acknowledging as the same kindred. You, you could have the last name Duncan and not be from that. There are certain clans within Scotland that if you have that surname, you're probably from a particular clan and you probably do connect up with them. So, and, and I think that applies to a lot of them. I'm just looking at... I don't know. Let me. What, who do I want to use as a McDa uh, uh, an example of this? The the McPhersons. I know it's son of the Parson. There could be more than one Parson, so theoretically, but probably you're from the McPhersons of Clooney, who are part of the Clan Catton. Or now Mackay is also like the Morrisons. You might be a Mackay, but have completely different origin than other Mackays. Morrisons are like that. Mackays would be like that. Uh, there's a there's a handful of other clans in there, and I've thought about doing an actual whole episode just on those clans with the intention of being able to help people as they do their genealogy, not jump to conclusions that because you have a certain surname, oh, I must be from this major clan, as there are certain clans like the Morrisons who have different branches. Not, they're not branches, because that branching assumes a common source. Different kindreds, same name, completely unconnected. So Morrisons are one of those, and I'd like to dive into that a little bit further. So I'm glad, Watson1493, that you did bring that up. And the Lockharts, so what I was just mentioning, the, the clan and the kindreds in the different parts of Scotland, the Lockharts are the, the perfect example of the clan that lives in an area that I'd like to, like, so the Lockharts come, and I'm looking at my clan map right now, Lockharts of the Lee. They come right just to the east of the River Clyde as it really starts to get inland. So they're in really what you'd call the central lowlands, just south of that central belt between the, the between really Glasgow and Edinburgh. That, that central belt there, there's just south of that a little ways, really close to Lanark. And that that area, okay, so I've I'm I'm convinced now that probably people in that area were in a kin-based society as well, especially during certain historical time periods. Yes, kin-based society. So did the Lockharts ever do anything as a clan that would indicate that they're operating, they would do things as a clan, they would do things like the chief, the person acknowledged as the chief, would call up people to engage in some kind of activity, usually what we have on the record is warfare, because of some real or perceived kinship. That's what I want to see going on. And I have been able to see evidence of that. You know, I talked, did an episode quite a while ago on the feud between the Cunninghams and the Montgomerys. And they would be just to the west of the Lockhart. So there's a good, good location. They're not border reavers. They're not highlanders. They're 
there's evidence that these these folks, not not necessarily Lockhart specifically, but these people from these areas are still organizing the Kinbase Society. But are there, is there any evidence of the Lockharts the, the, having a chief that's acknowledged by a broader kin base than his own wife and kids? You know, we're talking about a broader kin base. And he acknowledges himself as chief in a paternalistic sort of outlook on this kin base. He sees himself as having some kind of paternal obligations toward them, similar to a Highland chief. And where they would engage, like he could call these people up for some kind of activity. Let's And once again, the war is, seems to be the dominant one. Where he calls people up, not just because he's their feudal superior, because they, but because he is their chief. And they are the clan. And we're going to go through this together because we acknowledge that we're... That's what I wonder, was that common? I'm looking at some of the other clans in the, in the vicinity of the Lockharts, such as the Somervilles, the... Oh, Flemings, the Carmichaels. So I think the Hamiltons are, are close to the Lockharts, and I, I do believe you can find that about the Hamiltons. The Douglases are close to the Lockharts, and I believe you can find that about the Douglases. The Douglases probably deserve a clan cluster episode, but I'm probably going to do the Campbells first because I was specifically asked by a good friend of mine here in my, my town, my community here that I live in. Anyway... Just some thoughts as you bring up the Lockhart. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just want you to know that I sure appreciate you chiming in. I'm sorry it took so long for me to get back to it. And some of those comments that I respond to were a little dated. But hopefully the conversation was still relevant. And hopefully there was some value added in this episode. We were keeping it, managed to keep it to just over a half hour. We're at about 38 minutes now. And so as I wrap things up, I would love to encourage you to contact me. Keep, keep this discourse open up. Follow up on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash clans of Scotland will take you to the Scottish clans Facebook page where this episode will be posted. You can make comments there. You can send Scottish clans a message through the messenger. You can engage on Podbean. You can engage on the Apple podcast reviews like those last two that I just read off to you. All of those are effective ways. And through it all, please use that share button. Please try to think of your family and friends, loved ones, acquaintances, coworkers, whoever you think would benefit and be interested in, benefit by and be interested in this podcast. The, the large, even, and I'm still not monetized, but I'm still interested in reaching a larger, larger odd audience. Just because I think it, it helps the, the dialogue that we have on here. The more people we can get involved, the better. So for now, I'll leave you to it. Thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you next time on Scottish Clans Podcast.